Hey, it's Adam. Welcome to our weekly teaching podcast here at South Hills Church in Corona, California. Our hope is that as you listen in, you'll find yourself laughing and learning and being challenged and encouraged to grab hold of who God has made you to be. Enjoy the message. guys so much. It's it's awesome to be here back with you guys. Uh, always enjoy being back in Corona where it all started. I would love this place. I love the history here. love how this church has been ultimately what has launched South Hills to what it is today. Uh, South Hills is now in you know 12 different locations, uh, nine in the U.S., three in global, uh, three out of the U.S., um, and then there's three to come next year. And you guys want to know what those are? I'll tell you next year. All right, here we go. <laughs> so excited to be here. Uh, looking forward to this series here. Uh, Christmas at South Hills is always an amazing time. Uh, we are going to be digging into uh, this, uh, this, this, this month. We're going to be digging into what Jesus ultimately was called and the different names that he was given and uh, not necessarily just nicknames, but names that had a meaning to them, names that uh, ideally were, were used to illustrate the role that he was going to have in our life. And so as we uh, look, into the, look into the Bible, we notice that there was names that he was, he was referred to. And the names that we're going to be digging into this month is the names of Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. And so that's what we're going to be focusing on this month. Today we're going to be digging into Wonderful Counselor. Now, as, uh, before I get into that, um, you know, the reality is, is the names, you know, is, have, have like some rich meaning behind it. Uh, when when someone chooses a name, uh, little do they know that they are ultimately choosing like the trajectory and the, the destiny of this individual. And so when my wife and I were choosing names for our kids, uh, we actually like really put a lot of time into it because, you know, if you mess that up, like you're the reason why your kid gets picked on at school. And so, you know, so we really wanted to make sure that there was like, you know, we looked into all the angles of like, does this name have meaning? And does this name have purpose? And, you know, does this name have influence? And we really didn't want to like choose a name that sounded good, but ideally had a had a trajectory of a kid that was ultimately going to get picked on at school or was going to be ashamed of his name. And so, so to have some fun, I kind of dug into some really poor choices parents made. And hopefully this is not one of your statistics. And so I wanted to share some fun facts with you guys. And uh, I just was Googling around on names on the internet, and I came across this. The number of people with identical first and last names. In the U.S., there was 4,746 people that had identical first and last names. And I mean like Thomas Thomas, James James, Ruth Ruth. Like these were their names. And can you imagine like you show up to school and like, hey, my name is Moses Moses. And it's like, what? Like, yep. Like, what, what's your first name? Moses. What's your last name? Moses. Why did your parents do that to you? Why? Why, right? And so the other one was this. Number of people whose last names start with their first name, uh, let, uh, start with their first name. There was 45,379 names of the people who have their first name that start with their last name. Name like John Johnson, Martin Martinez, Rose Rosen, 45,000. And like, once again, I think about this and I'm like, why? Why, Lord, did you trust them with choosing names? Okay. And so the other one was number of people with names that rhyme. 62,000 people with their names that rhyme. Like Florence Lawrence, Mary Perry, 
Paul Hall. And it's just one of, at some point you would think like, maybe they just forgot what their last name is. They've used it for so long, they probably just forgot that they even had a last name and they just really liked the first name, right? Uh, another cool little article I came across was uh, actually a German article, not in German. It was, an, it was an English article done in Germany. And they had an article, research, of, of people who were smoking. And they did a research one time of, like, all the smokers in Germany, uh, let's look at their names. And they realized that there was a rhythm to the names of all the people who were smoking or became smokers. And so when they did the, the, uh, the research, they noticed that there was a pattern of the similar names that were chosen of people who ultimately became smokers. And their conclusion was the reason why you're a smoker is because your parents chose the wrong name for you, right? And so it was one of those things where, like, you can go home and tell your parents that the reason why you smell like smoke is because of them. Uh, so, so that was another fun one. And then this one was actually kind of sad. Like, this one actually had, like, a real, like, pure name or, like, a, a positive name at the very beginning. But in the last few years, have become, have, this name has become very negative. And it was, uh, and it was a name that now, like online, is like the least dated name. Not that I'm dating online, just to be clear. I'm married, wife to kids, but I was just looking up names, and I came across some some research, and it said that online dating this is the least clicked on profile. Any guesses on what name is online that is the now least dated name out in in uh, in the world right now? Guesses. Yes! Can you imagine poor Karen? It was a positive name. It was a positive name 20 years ago, 30 years ago. It means joy. It means purity. And then now some lady Karen really blew it for all the Karens out there. Oh, my goodness. So, yes. Yeah, so names are, you know, they, they're, they're, they're a lot of fun. Some are not so much fun. They have meaning. Some uh, have some positive meaning. Some not so positive meaning. Uh, but the reality is this. The reality is, is that uh, when God gave Jesus Christ his name, there was a lot of purpose behind that. There was a lot of intentionality. There was a lot of thought and there was a lot of meaning behind that name. Right? And so for those of you who may or may not know, the name Jesus actually means God saves. And as you're sitting here thinking, like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. Jesus is Savior of the world. He is the reason why we have this privilege of having a relationship with him. So there's meaning behind that, right? Well, the crazy part is we're going to be digging into a scripture today that describes Jesus and that had a moment in history where 700 years before Jesus was born, the prophet Isaiah shared some words with the people in Israel to encourage them in the situation that they were in. And so I'm going to explain to you a little bit about this situation. So 700 years before Jesus was brought into this world, the prophet Isaiah is speaking to the people of Israel. And the reason why he's speaking to them and is, is, is prophesying these words to them is because they were living in a time that was really dark, really confusing, um, they were really scared. They felt vulnerable. They felt like they didn't have uh, didn't have a lot of voice into what was happening around them. Believe it or not, the the, the nation was split up into two: northern uh, northern uh, Israel and southern Israel. They were it was split up into two, and the governments were fighting against each other. And there was a lot of division, and a lot of a lot of fear was going on. And so they were living in a dark time. 
where they didn't know what was going to happen next. They didn't know what they had control over, what they didn't have control over, what was going to change, what was not going to change, what was going to be the same, what was not going to be the same, what was going to be safe, what was not going to be safe. So they're in a very dark time and a very confusing era, and they were very, very just uh, walking in darkness is what the Bible calls it, without clarity, without direction, without vision, without tranquility, fear in their heart, anxiety, stress, very high. Does that ring a bell? Yeah, good. Good. Stay that way, my son. Test. Stay in the Lord. And so, so they were living in this time where they didn't have that confidence, okay? They didn't have that, that faith. They didn't have that direction. This was 700 years before Jesus was coming into the world. At this time, prophets and high priests were the only ones that were having communication with God, and then they would, they would come back and they would share words of encouragement with the people. So Isaiah felt like he needed to give them words of encouragement. He felt like he needed to bring peace and hope into their life. And so God inspired Isaiah, the prophet, to share these words with them so that they could have tranquility, they can have peace in their lives. And these were the words he shared in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7. It says this, For to us a child is born, and to us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. Now, I'm just going to pause here for a second because I've read this word, verse thousands of times, especially during Christmas time, right? And, you know, for myself, as I shared this before, I was born and raised in the church. So this verse has really, really been overused at many times. But as you guys know, the Word of God is living and alive and always brings new meaning. And in today's world... For us to a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. That means something a little different today. Okay, that means something a little different today. That has a different meaning to me today. This is the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. And these words were shared to the people of Israel because of the time they were living in. These were the words they needed to hear. These were the words that were going to bring comfort into their heart. We're going to bring a direction and clarity and a vision into their life so that they wouldn't be walking around feeling vulnerable and weak and fearful of what was going on around them, whether they had control of it or didn't have control of it, control over it. The prophet Isaiah shared these words with them so that they can take their fear that they, and anxiety that they were living under and bring it down and come to an understanding that there was a God that was more powerful than what they were experiencing. The prophet Isaiah shared these words with them so that they can be reminded that there was a God in their life that wanted to be close to their heart that was bigger than what they were living in that was bigger than whatever struggles and obstacles that they were experiencing, whatever anxiety, depression, fear they were living, in, living under. I, the prophet Isaiah was sharing these words to encourage them to let them know that God was bigger than what they were going through. And Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2, it kind of shares like this moment of darkness. And it shares like, like what they were feeling and what they were experiencing. And it says, and Isaiah 9, 2, it says, The people walking in darkness see a bright light. 
Light shines on those who live in a land of deep darkness. So darkness is is really disorienting. It's confusing. Uh, it's painful. Like if you've ever been in a dark place, you feel like there's like there's no way out, right? As a kid, I, I just remember like, I remember being afraid of the dark. I just remember I just we lived you know actually lived here in Corona and we kind of had somewhat of a cul-de-sac home and trees and uh, all around us and it was just our backyard was super dark and scary and animals and possums and all kinds of stuff. Not that we lived in the wilderness, but we had all kinds of critters that were always out there. So I was afraid of our backyard. And during the day, it was great because I could see everything. But during the night and dark, it was scary. And it was like, you know, it's trees would, you know, the wind would move. And I'd, I'd imagine certain images would come out of there, like dinosaurs and all kinds of crazy stuff. It was a crazy world over there in Corona, I'll tell you. And so, uh, and so I just remember as like a seven or eight-year-old, I didn't like going to the backyard in the dark. And, um, and, so, and so when it was time, it was almost time for bed. And I, and I remember that I left. I left something in the backyard. And I had to go back there and get it. But I was scared. I was like, oh, shoot, like, it's, it's dark out there. It's scary. I don't want to go out there, but I, I think I can do it. So then I'd, like, walk out the door, and I'd take a few steps towards the backyard, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, no, it's too scary back there. And I'd come back in, and I'd be like, come on, Moses, you can do this. And I'm seven and eight years old trying to give myself a pep talk. It's not working. And so then all of a sudden I try to go out there again, and then all of a sudden I could see the trees moving, and I was like, ooh, man, no, no, I got to come back in. So I was scared. I was scared. I couldn't do this. I was terrified. I was kind of like paralysis of analysis. I'm sure you guys have probably never been there, but for me, that, that was a place I, I was at at that time. So then I just decided, like, I'm just going to go ask my dad to go back there with me. So then I walked over. I said, Dad, hey, can you go with me to the backyard? I forgot. I forgot one of my toys back there. And then he's just like, um, yeah, I'll, I'll go back there with you. So then we walk out the doors, and he, no, he still notices that, like, I'm kind of distant. And so he sees that I'm scared, so he just re- reaches his hand out, and I grab his hand. And at that moment, like, all the fear and all the weariness and all the scared that I was feeling just went away. Just by grabbing onto my father's arm, father's hand, I was able to walk back out there with confidence, not feeling, like, secure, feeling like I was going to be safe. And sure enough, we walked back there. We got what I needed, walked back in, and everything was good. Now, if you were to meet my dad, he's like 5'9", 140 pounds. He's, if there was something back there, he wasn't going to be able to do anything about it, right? But as a kid, like, I just felt security in my father's hand. I felt safe, and I felt comfortable, and I felt confident, and I felt secure holding on to my father's hand because there was peace behind that. And that's exactly how God wants us to feel no matter what darkness we're living in, no matter what's going on in our heart and in our life or what challenges or struggles or obstacles that we're facing, he wants us to reach out and hold his hand and feel that security, feel that confidence, to feel the fear and anxiety and the stress leave your heart and your mind and your body. And to know that holding on to your father's hand, there's going to be peace and tranquility. So this is exactly what wonderful counselor means. It means that there's a father who wants to be speaking into your heart and into your life so that you can feel that peace and comfort and security. And as we dig into this, I, I, you come across scriptures that really paint these pictures to help us understand how God understands who we are, 
what we're going through and what we're living in. The Bible tells us that, the, that God is referred to as many names, wonderful counselor, but he also says in Revelations that God is also referred to as Alpha and Omega. What does that mean? That means beginning and end. Beginning and end. God stepped down into a specific time 2,000 years ago into a specific place, a place called Bethlehem, uh, in a specific form as an infant. Uh, why? Because of his great love for you and for I. He did this so that you can have an everlasting father, a wonderful counselor in your heart and in your life to walk through these moments of darkness in your life. And he does this so that, and he does this in a way so that you would know that he understands what you're going through. Before you were born, before the world created, God was there. After your time here on earth, God is still going to be there. There's a scripture in the Bible, it's, it's in Hebrews, and it shares this. It shares words of wisdom to help you understand that God is not lost or unfamiliar with what you're going through. And it says this, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 17 and 18 says, for this reason he had made, he had, he, uh, for this reason he had to be made like them, fully human in every way. Let me pause right there. For this reason God was made like them, like you and I, fully human human in every way, feeling everything you feel, experiencing everything you experience, every emotion, every fear, every stress point, every anxiety, every joy, every confidence, everything you feel. He knows it personally. He says, for the re this reason, he had to be made fully like them, human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he may become atonement for the sins of the people because, of he, because he himself suffered what he was tempted. One more time. Because he himself suffered what he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. So God himself is saying, I understand what you're feeling. I understand what you're going through. I understand the emotions, the highs and the lows. I understand when you feel numb. I understand when you feel joy. I understand when you feel scared. I understand when you feel anxiety. I understand those things. Why? Because I also have experienced those things. And the writer goes on to say this, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness. He, say, he goes on to say, we don't have a God who doesn't understand what you're going through. We don't have a God who can't relate to your problems. We don't have a God who can't understand your fears and your obstacles and your challenges. We don't have that God. He says, we have a God who understands, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. There's words that I want you to hold on to. And I want you to hold on to these words because a lot of times I feel like when we fall short of God and we make mistakes and we feel guilt and we feel shame, we feel like God doesn't want to be close to us. And that's not reality. Those may, may feel like reality because that's what we feel and what we think, but it's not God's reality. So this is, this is how God approaches us. And I want to say this statement. says, Jesus isn't a distant God bothered by our shortcomings. He's a loving God who empathizes with our weakness. Jesus isn't a distant God bothered by our shortcomings. He's a loving God who empathizes with our weakness. And I say that because 
often in our human heart and our human mind, we may think that if we fall short of God, God doesn't want anything to do with us. Or if we disappoint God or do something or say something we shouldn't have said or do something we shouldn't have done, that God may want to be distant from us. And the reason why sometimes we think that, or I should say the reason why sometimes I think that, is because in my human heart and my human parenting, sometimes that's true. When my kids really frustrate me and disappoint me and make me mad, I don't want to be near them. And it's for their own good. I don't want to go to prison. Okay? And so, and that, you know, there's not a lot that my kids do to disappoint me, but there are, I would say there are two things that, that really take me from zero to 100. And I know that you're looking up here and you're like, oh, Pastor Moses, you're probably always so calm and always so patient. No, my name is Moses. It means anger. Okay, so I go zero to 100 really quick. I, I, this is all work in progress, work in progress. I got to work really hard to stay calm. So what, the two things that my kids do that kind of just set me straight through the roof, one is being disrespectful to their mother. That zero to 100, I mean, zero to 1,000 probably. Like it, anger immediately. When my boys are disrespectful to their mom, that drives me bonkers because if you've met my wife, she is by far the better half. People always wonder, how in the world have you lasted so long with this guy? And I wonder that myself sometimes, too. Sometimes I roll over and I look like, oh, good, you're still here. Okay, good, 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 okay. You haven't left me. Good, okay. And so she's loving, she's kind, she's gentle, she's soft. She does so much for all of us. And, and I, I, so it really bugs me when they're disrespectful to her. And so I lay into them when they're disrespectful. I yell and scream out, how dare you talk to your mother that way? Or how dare you not listen to your mom? And you better understand that she washes your underwear and folds them every single day. The reason why you get to eat is because she makes food, not because of me. And yeah, yeah. And so I lay into them. And then I get angry. And then I get upset that I just laid into them. So then I got to, like, go and retract and, like, calm down. And I just, like, and I got to, you know, bring it back down. And so those are the moments that in my heart, my, my mind, sometimes I think like, oh, I wonder if God does that. But the reality is no. No, like God doesn't do that. That's the human heart and the human mind because, like I said earlier, it's necessary in order to come, for me to calm down when I'm really upset. But when we upset God or when we, when we do things that you would think that upset God, he doesn't distance himself from us. He doesn't need to go away and calm down. He doesn't need to go and, re, re, you know, regather his emotions or his thoughts. That's our human heart. And God is loving and wants to be close to us, whether we're making the right decisions or whether we've made some wrong decisions. He wants to stay close to us. He wants to be near us. He wants to be at a place where, where, where we don't feel like we have to retract or go away. And so, I, 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 you know, I say all this because I want us to understand that your heart in a broken world and your mind in a broken world is going to go through some stuff. You may be going through some stuff now. You may be coming out of, you know, coming out of some stuff and maybe getting ready to go into some stuff again. But at some point in a broken world, your heart's going to go through possible depression. Your heart and your mind's going to possibly go through anxiety. It's going to go through some fear, go through some worry, some stress, some loneliness. Those are all emotions and brokenness that this world brings to us. And your human nature, your human nature is going to want to distance itself from the wonderful counselor who can speak into your life. And as soon as you grab hold of his hand, all those things can go away. 
because you got to understand where those things come from. There's a dark world and an enemy of darkness that wants you to feel depressed, that wants you to feel anxiety, that wants you to feel stress. And God is saying these encouraging words like, hey, I'm a wonderful counselor who be in your life. Hold your hand and let speak into those areas so that you can feel comfort and peace and security right from the beginning. And now, I, I, I don't know how many of you guys have done counseling. If you haven't, I strongly encourage it. I'm a huge fan of counseling. I, I, I myself have gone to counseling. My wife has gone to counseling. Counseling, everyone should go through it because it's a, in a broken world, everyone can use someone to speak into their heart and their life. And I always tell my kids, like, at some point, you're going to need to go to counseling. It may be now. It may be later. But I'm going to send you to counseling by my parenting. I don't know what the reason is, but somehow, some way, you're going to need to go to counseling. I'm already putting that in their head. I'm putting it in their head. It's like, listen, in a broken world, I'm going to mess up as a dad. In a broken world, you're going to experience some things that you, I wish you would have never, but because this world is broken, you're going to go through those things. Just know counseling is normal. You need to put it in your head. At some point, it's going to happen, right? And so I've seen several counselors, mainly because I'm a complicated individual. And, uh, and so I've had to go through several counselors to kind of figure out, like, which one understands me best, which one can speak into my life the best, uh, which one can resonate with where I'm at. And when I, go to my, when I go to counselors, what are they doing? They're listening. They're listening to my story. They're listening to my pain. They're listening to my problems. They're listening, right? And then as they listen, they're coming up with ideas or solutions or some sort of wisdom to speak into my life. And sometimes those ideas and wisdom work, and sometimes they don't. Because on a human counseling level, it's not always 100% accurate. Right? Still good, still necessary. But when you have a wonderful counselor, when God himself in the Bible refers to himself as a wonderful counselor, what that means is it's 100% accurate. There is no error in his counseling. There is no mistakes or guessing in his words that speak into your heart and your life. And we have access to that wonderful counselor on a daily basis. And so when we go to God with the things in our heart and our life, there should be confidence in that. And knowing that we're going to get 100% accuracy of wisdom speaking into our life. There's a phrase here that I, I want you to write down or I want you to take a picture of. It says, we shouldn't go to Jesus with answers. We should go to Jesus with confidence. And the reason why I say that is because the biggest, the biggest problem for a counselor is when someone comes with problems and solutions. Because at that point, you're not coming in for counsel. You're just coming in with, here's what my problems are. Here's what I need to do. Thank you for listening. I'll be on my way. But the reality is, is God would love for you to come to, the, come to him with those problems and listen. And listen. Now, I know I'm going to outdate myself here, but when I was a kid, you know, I used to like watch TV, and the TV back in those days, um, they weren't like satellite dishes, and they weren't like cable, like it was like this TV with like these bunny ears antennas, right? Anybody remember bunny ears antennas? Right? Or you want to admit that you're old enough to understand the bunny ears antennas? These kids are over here like, bunny ears antennas, is that on TikTok? No, 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 it's not on TikTok, Cohen. 
It's not TikTok, okay? This is before TikTok, Cohen. All right, before TikTok, I had, when I was your age, I had to sit in front of the TV, and then I, if I wanted to watch a game or something, I'd turn the channel. Not cable, Cohen. Not cable. This is just regular two, four, five, seven, nine, eleven. Anybody with me here? Okay. Yeah, these kids have no idea what I'm talking about. They're like, is that a Time Warner? No, no, not Time Warner. Okay. And so I turn it on, and then all of a sudden, I'm trying to watch the Laker game, but it's a little fuzzy, and I'm just like, ah, it's really fuzzy. So then I have to go to these things called antennas, Cohen. Antennas, all right? It was a bunny ear on top of the TV. And I'd have to, like a telescope, extend the antennas. Anybody with me? Extend it to the furthest point possible. Then you'd have to move it around, Cohen. You'd have to move it around, dude. It just wouldn't move itself. It wasn't like, Siri, change the antenna channel. It wasn't those days, Cohen. You had to move it around, dude, yourself. And then you'd like move it around and shake and hold and kind of like angle it and open up the curtains and maybe the, the radiation somehow, some way, the waves would catch it better. And so then at, at some point, at some point, Cohen, the picture would get clear. And all of a sudden, there's the game. And I was like, oh, I could see, I could see. And then all of a sudden, like your sister's walking around the corner and be like, no, 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 don't walk by the TV. Don't walk. Don't do it. Don't walk by the TV right here. Don't do it. Don't touch that TV. Don't walk near the antennas. It's clear. I can see. Why? Because I had to tune in the antenna to the best reception possible to receive that communication of what was projecting that game. And the reality is this is that God is always projecting communication to us. He is every day. I, I promise you, as you dig into the scripture, God is constantly projecting communication to you. The problem is, is our antennas aren't always listening. There's a lot of noise going around. A lot of maybe TikTok, a lot of work emails, a lot of stress, a lot of anxiety, a lot of worry, a lot of a lot, of, a lot of like concern, a lot of fear. So there's a lot of noise drowning out that communication. God is like constantly wanting to counsel you and speak into your heart. And so what becomes the, the challenge is drowning out the noise and tuning in to God's voice and letting him speak into those areas in your life. And I don't know, I don't know what, what areas in your life that you may need God to speak into. I don't know if it's, you know, you may need counsel on your marriage. I don't know if you may need counsel in your parenting. I don't know if you may need counsel in your career, uh, counsel in your health, counsel in your spiritual development, your choices. I don't know what those areas are, but I know this. In a broken world, we all need to tune into God's voice. We all need to listen into that wonderful counsel. And as we lean in, he is talking to us. We've got to drown out the noise. We gotta drown out the noise. And I wanna read this scripture and I'm gonna read it the way it's written so you can see exactly what it says in the Bible. But then I wanna change a few terminology, I change the angle of it so you can read it as I wish I was, you know, if I was writing it, I'd want you to hear it. So the original scripture says like this the first John 1 9 says, But we confess our sins to God, but if we confess our sins to God, he can always be trusted to forgive us and take our sins away. Now, as I read it as it's from its original content, it makes it sound like, hey, you know, a scripture of confession, which is true. But what is confession? Confession is a conversation with God. You're talking with God about the things that are going on in your life. You're talking with God about the things that you're struggling with in your life. Okay, we're being honest. That's what confession is. So if I was going to rewrite this for you as you walk out today, 
So you can tune in and listen to your wonderful counselor. It'd be like, but if we were having a conversation to God, he can always be trusted. And I know that a lot of times you feel fear and shame, but he can forgive you for your fear and for your shame. And he can take those things away that are in your life that are causing stress, that are causing anxiety, and that are causing fear. So as we close today, I would love for you to hold on to those words and know that you have a wonderful counselor that would love to have a conversation with you and minimize the stress and anxiety or the things that are causing fear in your life so that those things can go away and you can hold on to love, grace, clarity, security, purpose, joy, which is where God would like for you to be. So if you would do me a favor and bow your head and close your eyes, and if you've heard me speak before, I always do this at the end. I always say, please bow your head and close your eyes. Why do I always ask you to bow your head and close your eyes? Because I'm trying to fix your antenna. I'm trying to get you to drown out the noise. I'm trying to get you to drown out the, 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 the things that are causing confusion or are causing distractions. That's why we bow our head and close our eyes. What does that do? It causes us to tune in. Tune into who? The wonderful counselor that's in your heart and in your life that wants to speak to your life, wants to speak to you. But too often the noise is too loud that we don't hear it. So as we bow our heads and as we close our eyes and as we lean in and listen to God's voice and the wonderful counseling that's going on, we say, Father, thank you. Thank you that we get to have you in our hearts and our lives. No matter what is going on in our world, no matter who is trying to change our world, no matter what fears or stress or anxieties are happening inside of our lives on a regular basis, we get to close our eyes, bow our heads, we get to tune into your voice, and we get to have you speak into our hearts as a wonderful counselor. Bring peace in the moments where we feel stress. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your wisdom. Thank you for wanting to stay close to us. Help us to drown out the noise. And lean in and listen. So that we can stay close to your heart. We say these things in your name. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to this week's message. We hope you heard something that spoke directly to where you're at right now in life. To find out more about our church, hit up our website, southhills.org slash corona, or follow us on social media at South Hills Corona. And if our messages have made a difference in your life, help us get the word out by rating and reviewing this podcast. And as always, you can support the ongoing work of our church by giving through our website at southhills.org slash give and selecting the Corona Campus. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you'll join us again next week. God bless.